guys, and welcome to the Finance Now podcast. This podcast is purely for informational and educational purposes, and it's my way of sharing my knowledge, research, and opinions with you. I'm Anurag Birla, and I wanted to take a moment to celebrate that we've gotten through half the year with no recession. Well, at least not up until now. Before I get into a brief half-year review of the overall markets and the health of the economy, there are a few stories I wanted to quickly cover. Uh, I wanted to start off with the big macro data that came out this week, later this week, essentially revolving around the job market. So initial job claims that was released rose roughly as expected, 248,000 versus the forecasted 245,000. The previous number was 236,000. There is an increase, which is not so ideal, but the four-week average remains pretty stable at about 253,000. However, with this increase, there was some positive news with the private sector adding way more jobs than expected, almost double, to be honest. They added 497,000, close to 500,000 versus an expected 267,000, which is huge. That is great news for how healthy the job market is currently doing. I know today unemployment data is expected to come out and as of now it's expected to stay the same or maybe slightly dip i think the expected rate is 3.7 or 3.6 so we'll see and the overall job market as i mentioned looks pretty strong the unemployment rate this time around though is pretty important data I think given last month, the unemployment rate increased and that came as a surprise to many. So this month's data will will be more of an indicator as to whether it's two surprises in a row or you know whether that was an unexpected blip. And if it is two surprises in a row, it is an indicator for the job market health perhaps deteriorating. It's also just a good indicator of what the Fed may do going forward. And I think we saw that, you know, in the markets yesterday, given the huge dip in in stock prices, I think what was priced in was the fact that given the health of the job market or the apparent health of the job market, the Fed are very, very likely to increase interest rates at their very next meeting. So I think it it definitely gives us an indicator as to what's going to happen. And that's priced in, I think, if the unemployment rate decreases, and it serves as, and last month serves as an unexpected blip, we will see an interest rate hike in July, and we will see markets perhaps fall even more next week. Now I wanted to move on to a few of the other stories. These stories sort of revolve around manufacturing delivery processes and there's one good and there's another not so good story. So I'd like to start off with the not so good, of course. Only weeks after announcing their new product, the Vision Pro, Apple have been forced to make major cuts to its headset production plans. This is upsetting, you know, on multiple levels. I mean, personally, I was just pretty excited about this product. I was excited to see how the sales do the first year. But I think also on a wider 
on a wider narrative, it's a bit upsetting because I think a lot of people had high hopes for for this product and the number of deliveries it was going to make in its first year number of sales. So it was a very hyped product and this is obviously a huge setback. Now the main reasons given by by news outlets that I could sort of scour were the complexity of the headset design and the difficulties in production which are essentially behind the scaling back of targets specifically the manufacturing of the sleek screens both the inward and outward screen i mean it's an insane piece of technology isn't it and it's no surprise that it's incredibly difficult to make and i think that's what's calling that's what's causing more trouble for them and these delays and troubles caused production for you know a more affordable version to be pushed back so it not only does it affect the sales of vision pro but if it affects the entire timeline of these lines of products that essentially people had expected to come out the timeline was already pretty stretched when they announced it i mean they launched the product june this year which was last month but it won't be on sale until early 2024 that's a huge gap that's almost a year in between the launch date and and when the product is starting to be sold and you know now the interpretation after hearing this piece of news is more that that gap has less to do with developers creating apps for the software for the vision os software but more to do with supply chain problems and manufacturing problems i mean we know this product has been in the works for the last seven to eight years it's very heavily customized and unique and it's one of the most complex products ever made i mean the amount of r&d expenditure that went into it is probably unreal so it it makes sense i mean it is one of the most complex products and i say it makes sense with a, a grain of salt because i'm not happy about it but i can see why i can see why this has happened and the internal sales target that apple had of 1 million units in the first 12 months is is definitely been shaken now i mean few people close to apple few sources close to apple say that manufacturing is preparing to make now less than 400,000 units which is less than half less than half of what the internal sales targets were and you know wall street also had very different expectations for 2024 specifically with this product i mean wedbush predicted that they'd sell 150,000 units morgan stanley predicted that they'd sell 850,000 units and goldman sachs predicted it could reach up to 500 million units so i mean there's a wide wide range and wedbush are looking the closest to what may be the reality i think anyone who's followed apple closely or you know even followed the launch of this product closely i don't think anyone expected the few years to be easy it, given the especially given the price point i mean three thousand five hundred dollars nobody expected you know there to be huge huge rushes and queues lining up globally to get this product simply because a lot of people are priced out but i do think it's part of the growth and these inefficiencies will be hashed out by apple i mean they're a huge company with a massive supply chain they'll sort this out i have no doubt and you know they'll ensure that when it comes to creating a more 
affordable version, scalability will not be an issue. I think it's fine to have... I, I think, put it this way, given the fact that this is a $3,500 product, I think it's okay that Apple have manufacturing problems because they can afford to. There aren't a lot of people that would be queuing up to buy it. Sure, more than we may expect, but relative to the iPhone and some of the other Apple products, there aren't going to be as many people lining up to buy it. So if they ever had manufacturing problems, I'm happy they had it for this specific product and not for a much more affordable, groundbreaking, technologically advanced headset. Moving on to some of the good news, I would like to talk about Tesla, a company I've you know grown to love over the years. And yeah, this is very good news for Tesla shareholders. The delivery numbers smashed expectations after delivering a record number of cars in Q2. So Q2 produced 480,000 vehicles and delivered over 466,000 vehicles. Now that's the highest ever by Tesla. Majority were obviously Model 3 and Model Y, as it has been with recent trends. 460,000 produced approximately and 447,000 delivered approximately. The higher price models S and X were produced in lower quantities so there were 19 about 19.5 thousand made and about 19.2 thousand delivered i think the ratio as compared to q1 between the higher price models being produced and delivered is far better this quarter Uh, as we saw there was a bigger discrepancy between the models s and x produced in q1 and the number delivered this quarter has served to be much better. Um, and the expectations overall were about 447,000 deliveries. As I mentioned, you know, for an, over 466,000 were delivered. So definitely beating expectations handsomely. What we can take from this is that the price cuts have clearly worked. Uh, I think there was a lot of pressure on Elon Musk. Uh, with regards to margins and Tesla's, you know, industry industry leading margins, but I think he knew very clearly in his head that the price cuts were more to generate volume. It's it was more land grabbing. It was more to get customers on board with Tesla, and he has slowly worked his way to hiking up a few prices here and there uh, since since the major price cuts have happened. I mean, demand remains strong despite inflationary and recession pressures. And, and that coupled with production efficiencies that Tesla have, it's enabled them to beat delivery estimates handsomely. I would say, I mean, Tesla being sort of in the consumer discretionary sector, um, automotive being in the consumer discretionary sector, it's surprising that demand has remained this strong given given the inflationary pressures i mean you would expect consumers not to be shelling out so much money on buying a car right now but obviously that isn't necessarily the case from these numbers now this is these numbers are a massive jump from last year's numbers i mean last year's number was 254.7 thousand delivered and that's a step and it's also a step up from q1's delivery numbers of about 423,000 the target, as I mentioned in an earlier episode for this year, is about 1.8 million. And they're on track to get there, but they do need a strong 
second half of the year. I mean, pretty much as strong as they've had the first half of the year. The stock has had an insane run since the start of the year. And Tesla bears may be going on about, you know, how it's overpriced. Honestly, maybe, maybe, but I can only tell or one can only tell once earnings come out on July 19th. But the financial opportunity, I will say the financial opportunity that lies ahead for Tesla is huge, especially with autonomy. I mean, there are statements saying that, you know, autonomy could present their most lucrative financial opportunity ever. And Tesla are getting closer to achieving that. Now, if we look at their competitive landscape a bit, we look at BYD, uh, one of their biggest competitors. Tesla leads globally, but BYD leads in China. And I know I spoke about how big a market China is. And yeah, I stand by my statement. I mean, China is a big market, but it's not a one-horse race in China, nor is it a one-horse race globally. BYD is expanding globally, and they are looking to take on Tesla in other regions. And they're also supplying batteries to Tesla. So while they're big competitors, they do have some synergies. And, you know, I think both can come out winners. I'm I'm not betting on one to beat out the other. I, I genuinely think both could come out winners. And Tesla is the most in-demand and most sold pure battery electric vehicle in the market. And... I think this competition is going to heat up with a lot more players getting involved. Tesla have got, you know, a lot more uh, auto manufacturers on their charging network. So it's, they're finding a lot of ways to monetize, you know, products that perhaps we didn't think had as big of a financial opportunity. In other news, I would say probably one of the most interesting news this week was meta launching threads now threads the supposed twitter killer has was launched yesterday if i'm not wrong i'm yet to try the i'm yet to try the software uh it's only available on mobile devices as of now but what timing huh i mean twitter has been struggling holding on to advertisers recently they had they've been struggling in general they had to limit the amount of tweets users could see the value of Twitter has crumbled, and according to BlackRock, it's just one-third of what it was when Elon Musk bought it, the price of what he bought it for. It's just one-third of it now. So it's incredible timing. I mean, it's impeccable timing, and it couldn't have been better timed for Meta. But what is Threads? It's essentially a text-based conversation app by Instagram, a platform where communities can come together to discuss things much like twitter connect with influencers engage with followers the catch is though as i mentioned is that it's based on instagram so well it's by instagram so any instagram user can just create a threads account with a tap of a button and that's what makes it so easy i mean if if we look at if we look at Meta's track record of doing this, like copy and pasting apps, essentially, they've done it before and they've been so, so successful. Let's look at Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat were first to the game, but then Instagram released Insta Stories 
and i if i'm not wrong i don't even use snapchat anymore i would say the most for a majority of people i mean a lot of people use insta stories it's just way more used than snapchat let's look at tiktok i'm not saying instagram's bigger than tiktok but instagram reels was re- released as a copy of tiktok and they do enough to sort of change it a little bit but they're very good at copying and pasting and if we look at pure numbers I mean, in April, more than 3 billion people in the world were using at least one of Meta's apps, Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp each day. That's nearly half the population, global population, that uses one of Meta's apps. So the advertising and ad revenue opportunity that it presents to companies is huge. It's way bigger than Twitter. Currently, Instagram itself has over... 1 billion users while twitter has around 400 million now if given how easy it is to create a threads account if half of instagram's users decide to use threads over time this is that's already more than the number of users twitter has i mean what threads in the first seven hours of being released had 10 million people sign up and i think over time it it I think within the end by the end of the day it reached about 30 million if I'm not wrong. That's an insane amount of traction that they have and you know we look at how Twitter has done ever since Elon Musk bought Twitter. I think for the two years 2023 and 2024 there was a projection a forecast that Twitter could lose up to 30 million over 30 million users. I mean, the number of web visits are already down for Twitter by 7%, about 7%. I think it's slightly over. It's it's losing its battle. Ad revenue is, you know, advertisers are worried with the instability of the platform. I mean, the average power user for Twitter is spending less time on the platform. And that is very, very telling for how the company is doing and, you know, the opportunity it presents to advertisers going forward now i'm not saying threads beating twitter is going to be an immediate sort of outcome but it it does remain to be seen how much of twitter's ad revenue share and how much of twitter users threads can eat into i will say because of ease of use i suspect a lot of people who don't even have twitter accounts may create thread accounts because they have instagram and it's just easy for them to do so now usage is going to only be able to be assessed and judged over time but i do think meta have timed this well and if there's anything meta can do really well i don't know about their whole metaverse stuff but social media is definitely their bread and butter in terms of how to generate commercial and operational success and i think this battle this whole meta versus twitter battle is kind of funny because of the rumors going on about you know a cage fight happening between elon musk and mark zuckerberg so yeah i kind of hope to see that it would be quite funny if threads and twitter can both have you know broadcasts of what the battle looks like it would be even funnier if they had like a wager and it would be like winner gets to access all the data of the other company or Something along the lines of that. It would be quite funny. But that's, that's you know, most of the small stories. And now on to the half-year review. I mean, 
2022 was obviously a tough year for investors, the stock market, companies. But 2023 has been no short of surprises. I mean, there have been a lot of twists and turns. We've had four banks fall in the U.S. Uh, we've had debt seeing drama that was cut very, very close. There's been geopolitical uncertainty and a lot more rate hikes. Um, and I mean, globally, a lot more rate hikes. And there are more rate hikes on its way. But despite all this, we see the S&P is up nearly 15% this year. I mean, why? Big tech has definitely benefited from this AI boom. And, you know, if we if we take history as as a lesson, I mean, since 1950, out of the 25, sorry, out of the 21 times, S&P has been up at least 10% in the first half of the year. 17 times it's rallied further with an average of plus 25% end of year. So S&P is up 15% this year. If history is any indication, we are very, very likely to see a further rally. And we are very likely to see the S&P end up higher. Obviously, take this with a pinch of salt. History does not necessarily always repeat itself. But, you know, I will say employment data has remained pretty strong. Inflation still exists, for sure. It's still there. It's not where the Fed want it to be, that 2-3% range. Rate hikes are coming, as the Fed have said. But we're not in as bad a place as many would have thought at the start of the year. I'm not so sure I can confidently say that the S&P will end the year higher than it already is, just because of the forward-looking statements that the Fed have made about how there's a long way to go and how interest rate hikes are on their way. And, you know, recession is still a threat. And I think, you know, our stock market could see some trouble. But it's never a bad time to get into the market. And I will say, like, there is a chance it and it, you know, closes higher. And that would be that would be great for investors. But there is a big caveat. I mean, the S&P has been driven by only a handful of stocks. Most, if not all those accounts are tech stocks. And that poses a big risk of overvalued companies at the moment. I mean, based on hype and specifically based on AI hype, we've seen a lot of chip companies drive the market, NVIDIA, AMD. We've seen Tesla drive the market. We've seen Microsoft, Apple drive the market, Meta drive the market. So... It is, it is very, very narrow, the market at the moment, and the gains are very narrow. But I do hope for myself and every investor that the second half follows a similar trend and maybe widens the gain in terms of you know the nature of companies and industries that are involved in, in the growth of the market and the push for higher and higher gains. I do hope the gains pile on. I hope the Fed continues to fight inflation successfully without too much impact on the job market. But, you know, I think regardless, if we do see a recession and prices do fall drastically for stocks, it'll present a solid buying opportunity. And I don't suppose the recession, even if we do see one, would be close to as bad as perhaps what we first anticipated. So I think there's a lot to look forward to H2. I'm excited. I hope every other investor is too. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you made it this far, I thank you for listening. I'm Anur Abrila, and this is Finance Now.